around for that. Uh, Michelle and I have been privileged to be part of the steering group of this New Year festival that's happening in May. And uh, we've been conspiring now for about a couple of years of what it would look like if all the families and friends all gathered together, regardless of our labels, denominations, but we have this commonality to see the kingdom come in great power here in our nation. So we, uh, as Vineyard Church Dungannon, are part of that. You're part of that. You're the family. And uh, for that weekend, we would love us as a tribe, as a family, to be there over that weekend as much as possible. Uh, so it's in May, so you're probably thinking it's a bit far off, but uh, we do like a bargain. So just to let you know that... Um, the early bird is on, that's why we're putting it up early, for the drone brigade. And uh, sounds like power military group, doesn't it? Um, so that you can feel of that offer. But it's going to be a fantastic time. Uh, we, we love each other's friends, but we thought, wouldn't it be great if we just opened it wider than just me and Andy and Ali and Michelle and Dave Dicko and different people. We just opened through it, opened all our churches, gathered all our families, young and old, just to celebrate the goodness of God. And a bit more than that, to actually contend and cry out to see the kingdom of God come in our time, in our nation, in the most powerful way. So we hope that you can be part of that in May. And if you go onto the website, it's newfestival.com. You'll get all the relevant information. And we'll, we'll give you more information in the time to come. But if you want to bargain, then I would encourage you to do that. Okay, let me jump straight in. How's your weekend been, by the way? You doing okay? Uh, one English man in the room. Uh, anybody else? Brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. Another Englishman in the room. Okay, okay. Anybody else want to uh, come out of the closet with their Englishness? No? Wales won this morning. Okay, and uh, Swift's got beat. Again. But we're just believing and praying for 4.30 this afternoon. I'm so nervous. Not... Yeah, pray before fall. Okay, okay. Okay. Hey, um, we have been in a series called Kingdom Culture, and uh, there's good reason for that. Our priority is really like Jesus. Jesus came with a central message, and that was the kingdom of heaven. And so the, what happened throughout the ages is that we've got a little back to front, mixed up in our thinking and our theology, and what happened is that the church has prioritized building the church, and we've left Jesus to build the kingdom. When actually, in fact, it should be the opposite way around. Our priority is to seek first the kingdom of heaven. His righteousness and all the other stuff will be added to us. So our priority is the kingdom. And that defines us as the church. Jesus' priority, believe it or not, is to build the church. So pressure's off, right? We just get to partner with him and to show up. And so it's imperative that we talk about a culture of the kingdom. It's because there's values to it. There's practices that we want to engage with. And we want to know, we want to contend for this world of chaos coming into order. We want to contend and we want to see the earth filled with the active presence of King Jesus who's on the move. We want to see this upside down world turned right side up. And with that, we want to believe that God can come with great power, break in at any moment, change our thinking, that we would be open to this wildest possibilities that all things can be made new. And so it's, it's everything. It's everything for us to we so that we prioritize this in our values and our practices from everything that we do, whether it's the flourish gathering in somebody's home where we stop and prioritize the presence of Jesus Christ of Nazareth in our home and among us as women, and also when we go out into the streets with the love and the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth giving away bars of Fredo. Those are practices, actually, believe it or not, that, that are shaped because we believe that God has come and that the kingdom has come. And so Jesus came with this mission statement, this proclamation, and dare I say that everything from that is merely commentary. Everything else comes out of this statement. It's just an echo of what Jesus said. Jesus said, now after John was arrested, John was arrested because he spoke up about, uh, really he was speaking to the, the sexual immorality of the time and the culture. So he's arrested and Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news. Saying this, he said, the kingdom of heaven... Sorry, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Some translations will say, the kingdom of heaven has come. Now, repent and believe the good news. Proclaiming the good news, really summarize that to recap that again. It's evangelio. It's gospel. It's a powerful word. It's a political word. Actually, we've heard a lot about, anybody watched the news yesterday? From morning to, yeah? 
I switched over from the rugby actually to watch it. Didn't you? No, no, okay, I did. And so we, we think that the church is not political. Actually, we're the most political beast on the face of the planet. To be political means that we speak for those who do not have a voice, that it, politics must work for every, everyone. That's where it originates from. And so the church of Jesus Christ, to say that Jesus is Lord is the most political statement that you can actually make. To say that Jesus is Lord means your allegiance goes to King Jesus, that we believe that he is the rightful king, and that all the other kingdoms fall into place, that all our, all our allegiance are all our allegiance that we have, and we have some, right? But not, allegiance isn't bad, just where it's prioritized. So once we prioritize Jesus as king, then everything else falls into its rightful place. And King Jesus gets his rightful place. Evangelio, Jesus is Lord, Caesar is not. This is the good news, the proclamation of the kingdom. The time has come is the good life. Everything that Isaiah, that messianic prophet, pictured and told us about, foretold us, Thousands, millennial years before Jesus would come, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, a 30-year-old rabbi prophet, would walk this face of the earth. The writings of the Hebrew prophets are fulfilled with this time has come message. The breaking in, the end has arrived, people. If you're waiting for the end times, this is the end times. This is it. The time between now and Jesus returns, that's just the end time. It's not doom and gloom, by the way. It's actually marked with power and joy and presence of King Jesus on the march. It's a good time to be alive. It's a good time to be the church of Jesus Christ. So the prophetic pictures of Isaiah, the shalom, the healing of the whole person, the healing of the human soul, the, the healing of the actual cosmos, the universe is being healed. Actually, he's bringing festival and, and feasting and joy and hope and freedom to the individual and to communities and towns and places. That's what it means, the time has come, the good life, the preferred future. And then he says, the time has come now, it's near. It means it's on our fingertips, vineyard, and it's on our lips. We get to proclaim it, we get to touch it, we get to, as Michelle says, taste the salsa. We get to experience and see that the kingdom of God has come among us. And again, let me just reiterate, it's the most brilliant, brilliant time to be a follower of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's not doom and gloom. You may look at politics around. You may look at all the laws that are being passed. But I want to say that this is a good time to be the church of Jesus Christ on this planet. This is a good time to come alive. This is a great time to demonstrate the kingdom of God and to pronounce that he has come and he is near. But how do we experience it? How do we taste the salsa? How do we bring this kingdom message? How do we see change, the good future here now? We talked about it last week. It sums up, it's summed up in two words, and we're probably very familiar with these two words here in Northern Ireland quite a bit. The two words are repent and believe, but I want to suggest to you that's not what we often think about. Repent is metanoia, and uh, meta means to change, noah means the mind. It means that the most modern language that we could use is that we need to have a paradigm shift. We need to change our thinking, our mindsets, because many of us have been conditioned by our teaching, by culture, by politics, by all our allegiance that are not King Jesus and not his politics. We need to change our mindset that the kingdom of God has come, that there's a new government here on the face of the planet, that the rule and reign of King Jesus has come, and it is powerful and is forcefully advancing. And the other part of that scripture says that, for, that powerful people take hold of it, that the kingdom of God has broken and is breaking. And so we need to change the way that we think that there is, there is another kingdom above us and around us and here on the planet. And then to believe is actually that we would open our minds to the wildest possibilities that God is breaking in, that something can happen. How many of us are repenting and believing? How many of us are actually in this current state of our nation have our minds open to the possibility of God breaking in at any moment? So this morning, the, the enactment of that, the working out of that is found, like I said last week, we didn't get there in the stories of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let me sum it up. The church is the family. We're learning from Jesus, how to be like Jesus to this world, and to change the world just as he did. That's why we're here. That's why we've taken a, whatever color chair is it, charcoal or black, this debate. The reason we've come here, the reason why somebody comes from Nigeria, people visit from Canada and America and Uganda, why we show up from Coal Island, Stewartstown and all parts of this um, tropical island of Tyrone, why, why we're here this morning is because we're family learning, to, learning from Jesus Christ. That's what an apprentice is, that we learn from Jesus to be like Jesus to this world and actually to change the world just like he did. 
That's a powerful thing, isn't it? Powerful, powerful commission, or let me say invitation, to be part of what Jesus is doing here on earth. So let's jump in to see what the Lord is doing. Let's look in to see what the kingdom looks like in our day and age. And remember what I said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I think that the, the most powerful way to hear the word of God is to retell the stories of Jesus of Nazareth. How he, how he fills us with faith and hope. Can we pray this morning? Let me pray. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Welcome, friend. Come, have your way. Come. Come like you promise. I welcome the Father's love this morning. Let all fear vanish. Let love complete us this morning and engulf us. Come, Jesus. God, would you help us to open our minds to the wildest possibilities, to the stories of Jesus of Nazareth. Help us to see, God, with open hearts that we would fall in love with you, Jesus, all over again. And many, maybe some, for the first time. Would you come right now? Holy Spirit, come. Fall in us. Present yourself among us today. Let freedom reign. Let it be our story today that we came here and walked out free. In Jesus' name I pray. In the strong name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. So after the great announcement that Jesus has come, that the time is near, he proclaiming the good news, repent and believe, then what happens is that we start to see the story of God unfold in Mark's gospel. So if you have a Bible, would you turn to Mark chapter 1? Does anybody need a Bible, by the way? No? Put your hand up if you need a Bible. We'll fire you one out. Bibles are getting lower every week. Love it. Hope you're not selling them. Hope you're just reading them. So let me jump in. So after the great announcement and forming community, like we talked about, church is the family learning from Jesus how to be like, be like Jesus to the world and to change the world just like he did. So after he formed that community, that family, then the first story Mark gives us to see the kingdom active and see Jesus at work is a demon story. Intense or what? Right? Kind of intense. So let's turn to Mark chapter 1, 21 to 28. We'll read that together. They went to Capernaum. When the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed. Three words, if you're looking through the Gospel of Mark, especially the first three chapters, you'll, be very, you'll come across three words quite a lot. Immediately, amazed, and authority. Immediately, amazed, and authority. Three important words in practicing the works of Jesus here on earth. They were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an unpure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is it? A new teaching. And with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true and it's given to us in love. Well, I had three or four stories today, but I don't think we're going to get past this one. The first thing that we need to know about the kingdom of heaven among us, that God's work, rule and reign, is that Jesus rules over demons. Jesus rules over evil. Two key words again, repent and believe. The mindset of Jesus his mindset has been changed. He is the son of the living God. He is the Messiah. He walks into this church meeting, right? Synagogue. And there's a person interrupting the meeting. Now Jesus, filled with the Spirit, he is aware that there's another kingdom at play here. He doesn't have an earthly mindset. He's not looking at this as just an interruption. I need to be reading this scroll here. I need to be getting on with the message. I need to be reading the Torah here. This is my job. This is what I need to be doing doing right now. Instead, he actually stops what he's doing. And we're going to go into that in just a moment or two. So the moment Jesus walks into that church meeting, guess what happens? The demons realize that the kingdom of God has come. And that the end is here. What is Jesus? He's the alpha and the, the beginning and the... Yeah. 
So this is perfect theology. Why would Mark put a strange story like this right at the start of the stories of Jesus Christ of Nazareth to demonstrate to us thousands of years later that the kingdom of God has come? Why would he start with this? Well, because it's brilliant theology. And the demons are more theologically sound than some of the church today because what they recognize is that when Jesus comes back, the end has come. It's judgment day. But like, picture Jesus like Clint Eastwood, if you can do that. If, you're, if your head allows you to do that, right? So he comes... And he stands in the middle of this place and says, the end has come. They know that. So they're actually probably taking out their iPhones or whatever they have in that time. They're thinking, hey, he's early. I thought, it was, I thought he was coming back at some stage, maybe millennial later. Like, um, why has he come now? Because they recognize that when Jesus comes, when the kingdom comes, that the end has come. And that Jesus is going to judge over evil. Jesus is going to judge over sin. When the coming of the kingdom has come, then it's actually judgment day. We don't have to wait to someday, way, way in the future. When Jesus comes, the kingdom comes. With the kingdom comes power. With the kingdom comes the judgment of the Messiah King Jesus. And the demons actually take note. Oh, our time's up. We are in bother. So he walks into the room. This could be a song when he walks into the room. Everything changes. The demons knew it was judgment day. When Jesus walks into that church meeting that day, things started to change. And here's my, here's my thought for you this morning. When the kingdom is present, when God comes to church, guess what? This is what you need to know. Not just another meeting. It's not just same old. It's not that let's show up, sing a few songs and go home. There's actually something powerful happen. When the presence of the king comes, when Jesus comes, when the kingdom is present, it pushes evil out into the open spaces. It pushes evil out into the open spaces. Guys, this is reality. We're not playing small here. The kingdom of heaven is actually confrontational. To say Jesus Christ is Lord is political and it's powerful and it's a strong, strong message. Especially to those who are living in, in bondage. You know why? Can you imagine? Do you think that the demons just turned up in that man's body that morning? And then Jesus walks into the room? It's, it's coincidence. No, I would say, I would suggest to you that evil... Loves to hide. Evil hides. Why does it hide? Why is it, in the, why does it in the dark places? Why does it love to stay in the hidden places? Because it loves to control. And when we're hidden and we're in the dark places, then evil can control and do whatever it wants in life. And so it's the undercurrent. It's the underbelly. And again, this is why Mark is absolutely brilliant at putting this story front and center. Right at the outset to say, hey, there's a new king in town, and this is all about power, and this is all about a new authority. And when Jesus comes, when the kingdom comes, then everything that is evil, everything that is dark, everything that is not of this world, guess what starts to happen? It starts to get pushed out into the open. And so the church of Jesus Christ needs to realize in this 21st century, when we talk about the darkness and all that sort of stuff, we've got a job to do. We don't sit around here moaning and complaining. Actually, we become the people of God who are learning from Jesus to be like Jesus and to change the world just like Jesus Christ of Nazareth did. And that is also for us to expose darkness in the hidden places of society. And to put it out into the open, into the light, so that it can be exposed. And not just so it can be exposed that we can say, oh, there you go, there you see it. So actually people and places can live free and actually experience the shalom of King Jesus that he offers us. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. That's the Evangelio of our day. Isn't that good? Well, not so good. Not so good. I love it. I love it. The very first story Mark puts is raw confrontation with evil. Satan and the kingdom of God. Again, Jesus is the end. The end has already come in Jesus. It's judgment on evil. So relax, church. So instead of getting all hyped up and aggressive, what we need to do is just take a, take a breath in and actually just become who we're called to be, kingdom people. Not get caught up in the strife and the nonsense and the politics of our current age, but actually get caught up in the, in the politics of the coming age, the good future that God is bringing into us. When we start to know who we are and what we carry, then we start to relax and become the kingdom people that God has chosen us to be, to partner with him and to say, Let's get some stuff out into the open here. That's the job of the church. 
What do you want with this Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? They knew who he was. You'll read the scriptures. You'll never find a demon that likes Jesus. You'll never find a devil that likes God. The Holy One of God. Jesus is the beginning of the end. And we know that when he arrives again, it's judgment day. What's Jesus' reply? He says this, quiet, or quite literally he means to muzzle or shut up. And the people were so amazed. They asked each other, what is this? And so the language that they would use, what we would, how would you say, give me your amazed, give me your amazed word. How would you, what, if you saw something amazing, what would you say? Wow, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you people have never been amazed, right? Okay. Okay. Let's try it again. You know, it's wow. Wow. So here's what they say. I quite like it. They say, "Obey." Try it. So Jesus walks in. Stop. Shut up. And they go, "Obey." Obey. Does that sound cool? Okay. Tough gig. Tough gig. Still morning. So, yeah, a new teaching. And with authority. It's wild. The people are actually, they're staggered in their thinking. They're staggered. And it's there up front to teach us that there is an authority and a power in the kingdom of God that destroys the kingdom of evil. That's what Jesus is teaching us. Jesus is teaching us that there is an authority and power of God's kingdom that destroys the kingdom of evil of this dark age. And we're called to be like Jesus, right? To change the world as he did. Would you agree? Yeah. So that includes authority over evil. But the job of the church in the 21st century is actually to drive out evil. To drive out the darkness and the powers and the undercurrent of what we see. In Luke, 1, or sorry, Luke 11, 20, Jesus said, If by the finger of God, if, sorry, if I by the finger of God drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or Matthew 12, 28 says it this way. It refers to the finger of God. It's the spirit of God. It's the exact same thing. It's just imagery, language. It's the same thing. The spirit of God is the finger of God. Not image, that language actually goes back to Exodus. You remember? The Exodus story and the plagues. Are you familiar with that story? Yeah? So each plague was a, a devil of that day. Was a principality. Was a power. Was, a, was an allegiance. Was a, a small king. Was a Caesar. In that culture, not Caesar, he came, came later, but the Pharaoh, he was the God. And so what happened is that the finger of God, the language of, of Exodus talks about the finger of God, the Spirit of God, putting his finger on each of the plagues and defeating each one, one at a time. And what was the end result of that? Freedom from slavery. People being taken into the promises that God had for them from the beginning. And so I want to suggest to you, church today, Vineyard, that God's finger still at work. The Spirit of God is still active among us. And what he's doing, he's going through his church and saying, would anybody come and join me in exposing the darkness, putting the finger of God on the small gods, on the allegiance of the nations, and on the politics of the time and the age. Would we come as the church of Jesus Christ? Would we recognize, would we change our thinking? Would we change our mindset? Would we have a paradigm shift to open our mind to the wildest possibilities that God could come and would come and is here and is near, that God could come in great power and actually expose the darkness and put his finger on that to set people free. Are you up for that sort of thing? Wouldn't you rather do that than build a church? I would. Much more fun. Much more fun. And again, the story of Jesus tells us that the kingdom has come and that we can rule over evil. Again, it's that repent and believe. Those, even the disciples, they're observing that. The reason why they're saying, obey, the reason why they're staggered and they're thinking, what is this? We've heard other rabbis speak, but this rabbi from Nazareth, this Galilean, he comes and he speaks. He says the same things. He reads the same readings, just as they read. They all read from the Torah. They all read from the prophet Isaiah. They could read that off bat in their in their memory, they could recite it so they didn't even need to open the scrolls. Most of them, probably all of them, they knew all that. But they're saying, what's different about this Jewish rabbi, this prophet, is that he comes with authority and he comes with power. And so authority of power is not a bad word. It's actually a good thing. And so observing 
Their minds have been shifted. Their belief system has changed. And I think for the first time in a long time, or the very first time actually, the disciples have their mindsets changed to, the open, to be open to the possibilities of God breaking in. And then that leads them into many other stories that we're going to look at next week. So remember last week? Of course you do. Remember the talk last week changed your life? Remember when I talked about the Jews' mindset? Why Jesus had to say, repent and believe? Because the, the mindset of the Jewish listener who was uh, hearing story after story through generation after generation, they heard Jesus saying, the time has come, the kingdom is here. What they heard was this. They heard, oh cool. At last, we are going to take down the Roman Empire. We are going to build the temple and Israel is going to rule the world. So Jesus said, no, 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 change your thinking, change your mindset, be open to the possibilities that this kingdom is different. So what Jesus is doing here, he's saying, what I am doing is dealing with the real enemy behind the natural powers. I thought that was brilliant. Here's Jesus being king and exerting his rule and reign on the real enemy. Do you see what he's doing? He, he's actually saying to the Romans, yeah, there is an enemy. But it's not on the surface. Actually, the powers, the hidden powers, are hidden behind your oppression. The hidden powers are behind the slavery and the exhortation and the human trafficking. The hidden powers are behind that. And we need to open up our minds and change the mindset and how we think and see to see that it's not against flesh and blood, but there is an enemy who's hiding underneath this stuff, who is in the undercurrent of all this stuff. So change the way you think. And he comes and he exposes the darkness and pushes us down into the open cheers thanks David feeling encouraged but listen we could say that sounds good Jason that sounds powerful but you have to realise Vineyard that Jesus is still on the move Aslan is still on the move today isn't he here is Jesus being king and exerting his rule and his reign on the real enemy and that, like I say, from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing and powerful men and women take hold of it. So we can sleep. We can complain about Boris and co. And amendments passed and drawn up and RHA and so on and so on. Or we can become the most political active movement on the face of the earth and look at the real enemy behind what we perceive, whatever you perceive to be enemy, and walk with King Jesus to exert an influence and wield the power of the kingdom to see people and places set free. What do you want to do? What do you feel like? So what's, what's in it? Everything is at stake. Forceful people seizing it. That's not a Bible story. If the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing right to this present day, we're part of it. We get to partake in it. So there's a war. But listen, it's not dualism. It's not a war of equals. God is in control. He is more powerful. Again, we need to repent and believe and change our thinking and open our minds up to maybe God could break in at any moment in his, in his power and his goodness and his kindness and his divine generosity. Maybe for the first time in a long time we can see the kingdom of God break into this situation. What did Jesus come to do? Tell me some of the things Jesus came to do. Set the captives free. Yep, what else? Heal the sick. Seek and save those who are lost. Yeah. Sorry? Bind up the broken hearted. Yeah, all good. Restore old things. Yeah. Order to chaos. Go ahead. Share the good news. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, let's drill down. What does good news mean? What does good news look like for people? Okay. What else? Save our souls, yeah. What else? Pardon? Hope of heaven. 
on earth? Yeah. Sorry? Forgiveness? Pardon? Yeah, show power over demons. We've been there, saw that, read it. So good. So good. Well, he did all those things. Those are great lessons. Those are all the things that Jesus came to do. First John 3 and 8 says this in a very uh, particular way. So our friend just got that before me. The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. That's what the scripture says. So here's where we come in. Matthew 16, 18. I will build my church. Remember? Our jobs prioritize the kingdom. Jesus' job is too. You can cheat. Look at the scripture on the, on, the, on the thing. Jesus says, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. Now, you've heard me say this a thousand times. So let me just make it very abundantly clear, just for the record, just so that we're all straight. Just in case somebody's joined us for the first time um, this morning as a guest. Have you ever been chased by a gate? It's a serious question. Have you, you know, like you're walking past, um, we don't have any gates, we're a very open community in the bush, but some of your houses have gates. Have you ever walked past a gate and all of a sudden the gate takes itself off the hinges and starts chasing you up the road? Have you ever had that experience? Phenomenal experience, right? It happens all the time. <laughs> we laugh, but the church lives in such a way that that is the present reality. The church of Jesus Christ is living its life in such a way that we think gates are jumping off hinges. Hinges and chasing us up the street. When actually the scriptures tell me, the scriptures tell me through Jesus Christ of Nazareth that our job, the job of Vineyard Church Dungannon, is that we are actually called to go behind enemy territory. What does gates do? Keeps people out, right? And more so, what, is it, what else does it do? It keeps people right. It's simple. So the church here in Vineyard Church Dungan, and we're here to go into enemy territory, to actually open the gates of hell that are standing to keep people out, the church, and it doesn't take a lot of work, but more so the, the people that are in there who are battered and broken, who are kept in bondage, enslaved by all sorts of things, politics, addictions, all sorts of things in their life, because they're enslaved in that, then the church of Jesus Christ, we are called to go behind those enemy territories to the broken, the battered, and the bruised, and to bring those who are held in captivity back out into freedom. That's what the church is called to do. Isn't that right? Yeah. But what happens, you see, we live so much in the extremes. We don't usually like this sort of stuff. You know, to start off a talk this morning with demons and and evil, it's like, oh, that's the extreme stuff. But the gospel is pretty extreme. Jesus is pretty extreme. Kingdom is pretty extreme, but not in the ways that we look at it. The extremity that we go for is actually the negative side of things. We don't usually like this stuff It's because, I'll tell you why, it's fueled with fear and anxiety. Right? It's usually fueled by fear and anxiety, and a lot of it is because of the nonsense that people preach and teach. Just the nonsense and the weirdness. You know, everything is dark and everything is dangerous. Right? It's not helpful. It's not healthy. It breeds fear and unbelief. Let me give you a pet, pet hate because it happened to me this week and I had to readdress it again in a very awkward moment because we were around a table having a meal in. And uh, somebody just become a brand new uh, baby in Christ. They've just, they just fallen in love with Jesus Christ of Nazareth for the first time. Tremendous story. They got healed. They had a, they had a, a stroke and um, they recovered partially from the stroke and then... Uh, Paralyzed in a leg, got prayed for total healing. Experienced the kingdom and then thought, well, I'd like to meet the king. Met Jesus and fell fanatically, I would say, in love with King Jesus. Powerful story, right? So around this, and, and then some people in their wisdom say, well, now that you're a new Christian, you should go out and heal the sick. Now that you're a new Christian, you should think about actually wielding this power and, 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 and just going after God. No, you know what people say sometimes, like crazy people say? They say things like this, now, you need to be careful. You're just a brand new Christian and you need to realize that Monday morning when you wake up, when it's dark and cold, the devil is waiting for you. He's just waiting for you to wake up. 
And when you wake up, there he'll be. Out to tempt you. Out to stop you. Out to control you. Doesn't that just fill you full of faith? It's like, yeah, bring it on. You know what I mean? It's, I, and I have to, I have to in, in one way I want to say, shut up. You know? But you can't do that, right? So we use all the words. Well, in actual fact, there is another way to look at it. And that's what I like to do. In actual fact, there's another way to look at it. It's not dualism. It's not dualism. It's, a, it's led by fear. And we don't lead out of fear. We lead out of love. We live out of love, don't we? Of course we do. And that's why we don't engage in, in actually exposing evil because there's so much fear attached to it. The enemy will start to attack you now and, and, and don't make a move. Or worse still, you know, just read every day. Pray every day. If you read every day, if you pray every day, then it keeps the devil away, right? An apple a day keeps the doctor away. Pray and read your Bible every day keeps the devil away. That is silly thinking. Would that, like, what does that tell you about your relationship with Jesus? That the reason that you pray to Jesus is that keeps the devil away rather than praying to your Father in heaven who loves you and sees you and cares for you and has got good plans for you and who wants to communicate with you and to just, just be in life with you. That every time you open the scriptures that it's just to keep the devil away or to open the scriptures and fall in love with Jesus of Nazareth after hearing the stories of Jesus. What would you rather do? Apple a day or fall in love with Jesus? Fall in love with Jesus all over again course. So again, we are called to go into enemy territory. That's what we're going to do. There's a difference. Because we're the only army, and I've said this before, we're the only army that doesn't focus on the enemy. Every military strategy focuses on the enemy. Who they are, what they're doing, what they're up to. Our strategy is, who do you think our strategy is focused on? Jesus. King Jesus. That's our strategy. That's our focus. We pray to Jesus. Of course we pray for protection. Great. But who's the focus on? Come on, you can let on your Sunday school or whatever way you've been brought up. The answer is Jesus. Subtle shift. Subtle shift in the becoming the devil and all about him. We used to have a morning prayer meeting. I used to go to a church in Korea and we had an early morning prayer meeting twice a week. It was great crack. And uh, so we'd pray, and then after it, we'd go for tea and toast. Very nuanced, eh? Very hipster. And uh, so we had this guy, and I'll not mention his name, but he was from Wales. And we, um, me and uh, some other people named him the only Welsh man we knew that couldn't sing. He was part of the worship team. Uh, so he probably got on the worship team because he was Welsh. And uh, so they never make assumptions. So what would happen is that this man from Wales, he would spend the whole morning talking to the devil. Like, here we are, up early in the morning to meet with Jesus. And his prayer would begin to guess. I tell you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I tell you, Satan. Is it? Oh, okay, sorry. I'm, it, takes, it takes a while to warm up and get there. Be patient, come on. So he just spent the whole morning talking to Jesus. And he... Yeah, it was, or not Satan, actually. And, and that was the way it went. And, and we end up, if we go to the extremity and we live in fear, we just go to the whack end and unbiblical things. And dangerous and time-wasting. You know, one of the things that we did, um, there was a fort in Korean too, so we decided one night, have I told this story before? No. It's, it's worth hearing. So we went out, we decided to go out at 12 o'clock at night. Why? I didn't know. It was more fearful, I think. And we heard there was a witch's covenant in this place. So we went armed with a New Testament Red Gideon's Bible each. Because that's what you do. You hold it out to the devil worshippers and they run. It's a very powerful thing. We're running training for this next week, actually, if anybody would like to sign up. Spaces are limited and it's five ninety nine for the Red New Testament Bible. But the problem was that the pathway to this Mount Place was so narrow and there was three of us. And we started in spiritual warfare very early because we were knocking hell out of each other to be in the first two. Because if you weren't in the first two, you were the last one all on your own. Can you imagine it? So we walk around this confessing and proclaiming and calling the devil all the names of day. And then you come to a dark 
place and there's a there's like a twig or something in the road and you're like you've got before you know it you're like Clint Eastwood again. The Bible's out of your back pocket and you're holding this red Bible to what appears to be a stick in the on the pathway which you now have assumed as a devil and a demon, right? Because you're so hyped up with fear and nonsense. And so we're like, and the other guy, then he ends up, and this is where it just gets weird, he ends up swearing at us, like effing and blind, and a fight breaks out among us, because we're filled with fear, we're filled with nonsense and extremity, that the Bible's out, and then all of a sudden we have no regard for Jesus, the word, or, or what really means to bring the kingdom light and expose the darkness. We're knocking seven bells out of each other, effing and blind, on our way to spiritual warfare. Now, I'm... Let me just say, I can't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't understand. I can understand that. I can understand that some of you might not sign up to the class now, but um, I don't believe. Guys, here's the reality. We get focused on the waggy stuff instead of wanting the lost and instead of exposing the darkness, instead of doing what we're called to do, to wield the power of Jesus Christ of Nazareth here and now, to bring people out of their captivity and their freedom. And we're praying, and my hope is that instead of f- focusing on the fear, the fear that our, we are riddled with fear. Politics is riddled with fear at the minute. All the, all the news is riddled with fear. We are anxious. People living in an anxious world, instead of being a non-anxious presence, living in an anxious world, it's what the church of God is called to be. We need to stop for a moment, breathe in, and if a devil shouts in a service, then we stop. Of course we do. Just like Jesus of Nazareth, we rebuke it, we tell it to shut up, and we deal with it. If that's not, if that's not hap- happening, then that's good. We move on. There's a lot of weird stuff out there that's deeply unhelpful. One of the other things is that territorial spirits. Who's heard of territorial spirits? And every town has one. And our town's darker than your town. And so the competition begins. 1-0 to Dungannon. We have the darkest town. Don't we? But what if, instead of talking about territorial spirits, and there are territorial spirits, we could probably name them if you want to, but I'm not going to. But what if instead we actually engaged in the light and the activity God has called us to do, like feed the poor, clothe the naked, heal the sick, cast out demons? What if we engaged in that? What if Dungannon wasn't the darkest town? What if it was possible for people in Dungannon to have a faith in Jesus Christ of Nazareth, to come out of the life that they were living into the freedom and reality of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Has anybody in that room ever experienced Jesus Christ of Nazareth from Dungannon or in Tyrone? Yeah, of course you have. So we only do what we see the Father do and we're not going to get into territorial spirits. Another helpful, I'll try and wrap it up with this, another unhelpful and unbiblical but popular strategy is binding Satan. This one Roy loved. Oh, I just told you his name. (laughs) Roy the Welshman. It's all out there now. Roy actually, he was binding one day and he got the initials made mixed up between uh, a paramilitary force and a legal force and hey who knew it two weeks later they disbanded the legal force (laughs) I thought that was funny (laughs) you need to be careful what you bind in church get your alphabet right get your letters in the right way around it all could come crashing down Jesus did say the strong man must be bound in Matthew 1, or Matthew 12, 29, right? He did. This happens by the arrival of God's more powerful kingdom. That's how we do it. When we pray, we talk to God. Again, lots of Christians want to talk to the devil. Don't bother talking to the devil. Don't waste your time. I find it hard enough getting Christians to talk to God in prayer, never mind having a conversation with the devil. So if again, if a demon manifests, we address it, we rebuke it, we silence, and we get out of here, and he gets out of there. As Jesus did. And I've done that. But we bind Satan. Listen, this is so important. This is where I'm getting to the crux of my message today again about the kingdom coming. This is why Mark puts us in the very first story. We bind Satan with actions, not words. This is the most important thing I want you to get when it comes to spiritual warfare. It's a kingdom way of thinking. It's about, it's about God and his kingdom and his power. It's a dear value of the vineyard. Romans 12, 21 says this. Do not overcome evil by evil, but overcome evil with what? Come on, overcome evil by what? 
Yeah, by good. This extremely significant verse tells you how important our focus is when it comes to wielding the power of God and the kingdom of heaven. Where's my focus going to be? If I'm focusing on overcoming evil good, where's my focus going to be? Yeah, is it going to be on good or evil? Good, you never, you never overcome evil by focusing on evil. You never defeat lust by focusing on lust. You'll never defeat hatred by focusing on unforgiveness. You'll never actually maximize anything. You'll be exhausted and you'll fail. You defeat unforgiveness by deciding to what? Forgive. I know it's rocket science. You defeat hatred by what? How do you love people? Sorry? Good? Be good to them? How do you be good to them? Show kindness. How do you show kindness? Show up, turn up, serve your community, wash the feet of your town. Instead of complaining, why not go with the kingdom and bring the love of God through the power of God into this dark world where the corners are hidden and the enemy is hiding and crouching. Why not go and serve and love on people and defeat evil? That's what we do, right? That's what we're called to do. That's how you defeat it. You defeat evil by doing what is good. And because of that, when you decide to do that, then guess what happens? This is very powerful. There's a truth in this. Stay awake with, for a moment, if you can, with me. If somebody's sleeping beside you, give them an elbow. All right? Just have a look at the person beside you. That involves turning around. Sorry. Here's, this is so important that you get this. There's a truth in this. There's a victory that comes into our lives in the midst of the circumstance of life. It doesn't take away the hurt. It doesn't take away the circumstances. But here's what happens. It gives us victory over the circumstances. Here's what I want to read to you. The Bible says in Romans 8, 37, we become, through all these things, through doing good, through forgiving, through bringing the kingdom, we become, through all these things, triumphantly what? By the power of him who loves us. Isn't that good? We announce the kingdom. We demonstrate the kingdom. We do the works and the warfare of the kingdom. We heal the sick. We cast out demons. We lead people to Jesus. We challenge injustice. We announce good news to the poor. We preach the gospel. We see worship birth where there isn't any. We challenge systematic evil and systematic uh, consumerism. We, we challenge... Um, Evil in this present age, and we live kingdom lives ourselves. We make disciples. We plant churches. We plant Jesus. We plant churches. We do all these things. We change our mindset, and then we are open to the wildest possibilities of the kingdom of God breaking in. And when God comes to church, everything changes. And let me say this when the church comes to a community, everything changes. When God comes to church, everything changes. Evil is exposed and pushed out into the light. When the church of Jesus Christ changes its mindset, starts to change its thinking to the kingdom of heaven and the possibilities that God will and can break in, when we start to have that mindset, then we are people who go out. And you know what happens to our community? They are amazed. They say, Ove! Ove! What is this? What kind of church is this it doesn't stay behind its doors that just doesn't preach to us and tell us what we're doing wrong? What kind of church shows up and washes the feet of its community? What sort of church comes and feeds the poor and clothes the naked and doesn't ask anything in return? What kind of church gives up their weekends uh, to go and do things? What sort of church that fills a camper van full of tents and sleeping bags and goes to the most outrageous places and the most... Um, on the face of it looks like present evil but becomes the presence and the feet and the heart of Jesus Christ of Nazareth and it goes into the dark places and it exposes the darkness and puts it out in the open. What sort of church does that? One that moves with power and authority. One that has its mindset changed and one who is open to the, the wildest possibilities that God could come and change everything. How are you feeling? Great. Let me finish. Finish. Matthew 12, 29. In case you're worrying about that strong man, because you've read it right, and you're thinking, but it does say that in the scriptures. How can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? 
then he can plunder his house. Who fancies a bit of plundering? Seriously. Who fancies a bit of godly revenge? What's been stolen from you? What's been stolen from you? Okay, you don't want to go there because that's personal. Then what's been stolen in our community? What's been stolen in our nation? What's been stolen in our land? Tell me. What's been stolen? Dignity? Joy? Peace? Reconciliation? Respect? Innocence? What else? Freedom? Equality? Pardon? Hope? I thought you said the Pope. <laughs> I, thought, I don't know if I want to go down this road today. It was going so good. Acceptance, sorry. Do you want me to tell you what to do? Plunder the house. Plunder the house. Here's the good news of the gospel. Evangelio. Jesus is Christ, Caesar is not. Let me tell you the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. 30-year-old prophet rabbi that walked dusty road. Jesus of Nazareth bound the strong man. wasn't the reaction I was expecting, to be honest. <laughs> Jesus bound the strong man. It's done. Finished. He's been bound. He's still active and present, but Jesus has bound the strong man, Satan, and he began to plunder his house. He went to war. He invited us to do the same. When he healed the sick, he plundered the house. When he cast out the demon, he plundered the house. When he raised the little girl from her deathbed, when he said, little lamb, rise up, he plundered the house. When he fed 5,000 plus, he plundered the house. When he calmed the storm, he plundered the house. When he healed the lame, he plundered the house. When he cast out demons, he plundered the house. You and I are called to plunder the house. That's what it means by doing the works of the kingdom. And that, my friends, brothers and sisters, is why Mark puts this story right at the very beginning, to tell the stories of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, so that when you hear the stories of Nazareth, when you hear the stories of Jesus from Nazareth, sorry, that you're filled with faith, that you're filled with hope, not despair, not panic, not gloom, that your hearts are filled, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and this is just absolutely brilliant. We bind, we attack, we take the rule of the enemy, in this world, by announcing and demonstrating the kingdom of God, just like Jesus did, by carrying on the ministry of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand. We got there. Who's delighted we got there? Okay. Very quickly. Come, Holy Spirit. Come in your goodness. Come in your kindness. Come, friend. Come walk among us. Right now, would you walk again through the rows of this place, through the seats, right now. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come, King Jesus. Everything changes when you walk into a church, and everything changes when the church walks into the community.